covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in as we continue to kind of go through the post-mortem period of the uh, Brewers offseason as we start to get closer and closer really looking forward to next season still kind of looking back we're in that in-between area because the baseball season it's not over quite yet uh yet for the brewers it is over and the uh, preparations for next year can be uh, getting underway of course at the same time we don't even know if and when next season is going to happen considering the uh, collective bargaining agreement situation so that's just a uh, dark cloud that is going to be hanging over this uh this entire offseason until we get any sort of uh, resolution on what's going to be going on when it comes to that. But we'll talk uh, about that and much, much more. Our featured guest this week is Ashton Rotman from 94.5 ESPN. He'll join us coming up in just a few moments or so. As always, our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you do want to uh, get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter. Find me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And also uh, the other thing uh, that uh, you can do if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast, if you want to leave a ranking and review, that would be uh, that'd be awesome. So uh, we always and also subscribe to the podcast as well if you don't already. If you don't listen on Apple Podcast, if you just go to WTMJ.com and listen right there, that's awesome too. And uh, we appreciate you just being tuned in on an every week basis. Uh, really, the big news this past week was the fact that uh, it was announced that uh, Andy Haynes would not be back as the Brewers hitting coach. I'm not sure if it is a vocal minority or a true majority of fans, but I get the sense that most people are happy about that. I I, I kind of expected it based off the way the end-of-season end uh, press conference with David Stearns went. Uh, it's hit, if they're going to bring back the entire coaching staff, generally that announcement is made at the end-of-season press conference. If they are not going to bring everybody back, they say something along the lines of they're still evaluating, and that generally means a, a change is going to be made. I think Andy Haynes did a perfectly fine job. Because I don't think a hitting coach has that much of an impact, to be perfectly honest with you. I think over, overall, uh, a lot of people way overvalue the impact of a hitting coach. They are there to watch video with players. They're there to try to point out flaws. But really, hitters are hitters, and they kind of do their own thing. And... I just, I just don't think many hitting coaches have that much of an impact, really positively or negatively. The first thing to do when a team is struggling is to blame a coach or a manager, and that's what fans do, and that's what they're always going to do. Um, I don't have a problem with Andy Haynes being let go, if for no other reason. Uh, when, when a season ends in a very disappointing fashion, you... You want to make changes. You want to bring in new voices. You want to do things like that. So I don't have a problem with it. I just don't think that you know who they bring in, it's going to be a new voice. But I don't think it's going to be that different because that hitting coach is going to be brought in to essentially teach the same hitting philosophy that has already existed with the team. Andy Haynes was a perfectly good hitting coach. The next guy is going to be a perfectly good hitting coach, and that's just the way it is. So, um, yeah, I just I feel bad for him because he lost a job, 
Uh, at the same time, it's it's okay to get new voices and new blood into a coaching staff. That's that's something that is good for a team just to always kind of be uh, funneling through some new voices as, as you go through, especially if the season doesn't end in a way that you wanted it to uh, to end. And I said this all along. You, you can on this podcast on the Brewers Extra's post game show, like you can go back and find me saying this. I I've always been somewhat defensive of Andy Haynes because I think he's a I think he's a perfectly good hitting coach. Uh, and I'll, I'll stand by that. I, I will not back off that. But I've always said, you know, early on in the season when the Brewers were hitting like 190-something and people were calling for him to be fired, I didn't think firing him in the middle of the season would do much good. And I said at the time, you know what? If if the Brewers' hitting does not improve, it really doesn't matter if he's a good hitting coach or not. There's a good chance that he's going to be out of a job at the end of the year. Now the team did improve from a hitting standpoint. In fact, they were they were a really really good hitting team in the months of June and as you got into July and even some of August. Obviously, they did not hit well down the stretch of the season and they really did not hit well in the postseason. And that if they would have hit in September the way they were hitting in say July and August, well then Andy Haynes is still the Brewers hitting coach, right? Like that's September took him down. And the end of the season ended up taking him down. I do find it interesting. It is another year where the team that beats the Brewers in the postseason is the team that represents the National League in the World Series. Last year was the Dodgers. The year before it was the Nationals. So back-to-back years with World Series champions being the ones who knocked out the Brewers. And then the year before that, obviously, in LCS. So that was the, the Dodgers as well. Uh, and now this year it's the Braves who knocked him out in the divisional series, and the Braves are headed to the World Series. I uh, something I was wrong on. I didn't think that much of the Braves. I said I definitely said that I saw a pathway for all four of the National League teams and that were into the divisional series. I saw pathways for them to get to the World Series, and we could have included the wild card game as well because I would have said the same thing about the Cardinals. Like going into the postseason. All five National League teams that were in it, I saw a, a potential pathway for them to get to the World Series. I thought it was a wide open uh, National League race in, in the playoffs. That being said, of the four teams that were participating in the Divisional Series, I thought the Braves were the worst of the four. Just, yeah, I thought they were the worst of the four. They are the team going to the World Series. I obviously got that one wrong. I'll mention this later on when we have Ashton on, but I did not realize this until I saw the tweet from Buster Olney on Sunday, and I'll read it. The Braves have the best record in baseball since July 30th, the day they completed the flurry of trade deadline moves, 44 wins, 22 losses. So including the postseason, they're 44-22 and since July 30th. They're a legit good team. They're, they're a really good team. You give them a ton of credit. The moves they made to uh, you know, reinvent their outfield at the deadline, they were almost – it was almost like, you know what, the Mets are, are kind of leaking oil. You don't really believe in the Philadelphia Phillies as being a legit contender. So let's go get some guys and see if maybe we can make a run at this and happen to win the division. Like that's how it felt. It didn't feel like they were making moves to become – a World Series contender, it felt like they were making moves because they felt like there's a way that they could come in and snatch the division. And 
they did that, but in the process of doing that, they became an incredibly good team. And now they are going to the World Series, and they have a shot. They've got a shot. Astros, Braves, I, either of those teams could win. I think Vegas has the Astros as a favorite right now. I think I saw that. Uh, but either team could win, and you you appreciate you appreciate the Braves' go-for-it stance at the deadline because nobody would have thought twice if they would have done nothing or if they would have been sellers. You know, you look at the injuries that they have with uh, with a Ronald Acuna Jr. and a Mike Soroka, and you just say, okay, this isn't their year. But they, they went for it. And they didn't give up a ton of prospect capital for it. And all the moves they made, I don't think they gave up even one of their top ten prospects. So that's um, that's something. That's you, – you, um, you appreciate you you appreciate that they they made those moves they went for it and now they are in the World Series representing the National League so there you go but yeah not a whole lot of Brewers news other than Andy Haynes being uh, being let go and we'll see who they end up bringing in I think the big thing is do you bring somebody in from the outside but bring somebody in from the outside who kind of fits under the organizational hitting philosophy because that's Andy Haynes was teaching the hitting philosophy of the organization. I don't get any sense that the organization is going to be changing out their hitting philosophy, right? Like that's that's something they believe in. So the same stuff's going to be taught. Now, maybe if 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 they continue to struggle in certain areas, if they don't have a very good offensive season next year, maybe we start having the conversation of, you know, how deep does this go? Do they need to be rethinking the organizational hitting philosophy? But there's a ton of really, really smart people in the Brewers organization, and, and bluntly, I kind of defer to them on this. And I think that if they believe in their philosophy, then it's probably one that's worth believing in. Um, but yeah, they've... Either you promote somebody from inside of the organization, like they did when Derek Johnson moved on as the pitching coach and they moved on to uh, Chris Hook, or you bring somebody in from outside the organization who very, very much aligns with what kind of you're already doing from an organizational standpoint. You don't want to bring in somebody from the outside who has completely different views, because if you do that, all of a sudden, either you're going to be teaching one thing at the minor league level and a different thing at the major league level, or you're going to have to completely change your hitting philosophy throughout the entire organization just to match the belief structure of your new major league hitting coach. And that doesn't, to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So uh, they'll be. I would. I, I. I get the sense it's going to be an outside hire. I don't know that for sure, but I just. I, I that that would be the sense that I would get. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe this is going to post on Monday morning and Monday afternoon. They're going to make an announcement on uh, on who their uh, new hitting coach is going to be, and it's going to be a promotion from the organization. Uh, but either way, they've. Uh, I think the important thing for them is still being able to find somebody who absolutely fits what they're trying to uh, what they are trying to do. All right, uh, let's get to uh, this week's featured conversation. We always enjoy being able to uh, bring this guy onto the program. He is part of the uh, Jen Gabe and Chewy program on 94.5 ESPN every weekday morning. He is their producer. He is Ashton Rotman. You can follow him on Twitter at Ashton underscore Rotman, A-S-H-T-O-N underscore R-O-T-M-A-N. Always enjoy being able to have him on the program. Hi, Ashton. Well, Maddie, how's it going? Good. How are you? Oh man, 
in the throes of baseball playoffs, none of my teams are in it anymore, but I am still loving every second. So I'm good. Um, yeah, I, there's a, there, this is a weird time of year to be doing like a team specific podcast because, um, when the team's not in it, it still feels kind of early to be looking to next season when this season isn't yet technically over yet at the same time, the season's now been over for a significant amount of time. It's probably somewhat appropriate to go ahead and start looking forward to, uh, to what's going to be happening. So I guess from not even brewers related, we'll get to the brewers in a moment, but just in your baseball life right now, when it comes to your teams and the teams you follow, where are you at? What are you just kind of, on the side, like what, how do you, how are you taking in baseball right now outside of the playoffs? Oh man, I've already moved on. Like I'm moving on to the rosters. I'm looking at what's, what's coming up. I've been looking at, you know, arbitration stuff, what could be happening, what different, um, you know, cases could look like, what could change possible. So I'm already looking at all that stuff because uh, I think the baseball off season is fascinating. And, you know, even though we're technically, you know, five months from it, like really being done the offseason past three years of showing us anything like the offseason doesn't really end until spring training really gets going. So I, I'm uh, already looking ahead while also enjoying the actual play on the field. But for the White Sox, for the Brewers, for any other teams that I'm just interested in, I'm looking at what's coming next. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the offseason. Baseball does not get it right when it comes to the offseason. And I don't even know what they could do because in the NBA – when when free agency hits, it mm-hmm. hits. Same thing with yeah. the NFL. When when Major League Baseball free agency hits, you don't even realize that it does. Like there's never any moves that happen right away. Like there's been times where I've had to like double check. Okay, f- free agency has started. Like I think it starts seven days or ten days after, after the World Series. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember the exact number, but it's it's one of those two, I believe. And like it happens, and okay, you're. You're in the offseason. Free agency is open. And this year, it's going to be even slower, which is saying something because the collective bargaining agreement is up. So, you know, teams aren't going to want to do a thing. Right. And that's another thing that I didn't even mention. Like, that's top of my mind is my assumption is just that there's going to be a stoppage. I don't know if there's going to be. I just the way that I trust how baseball has worked over the last few years and how fans view Manfred versus how owners view Manfred versus how players view everybody at this point that's against them, quote unquote. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by what's going to happen, which is why I'm so intrigued with how the offseason is going to be treated. What's going like, you know, to happen first? Not even necessarily who's going to blink first, but are there going to be teams that are like, well, shoot, we have to make a move regardless of what we think is going to happen with the CBA. We have to try and do something now. So I'm kind of interested in what teams are in different spots of who's going to jump versus who's going to be willing to wait until things shake out. I've said this a few times, but I'll say it again, and maybe the right person will hear me someday. This is what they should do because, the look, we don't – you do, the collective bargaining agreement is about money mm-hmm. and the, the players want to make as much money as they can and the owners want to make as much money as they can now there's there's other stuff that gets worked out and it's important but many times it's connected to money okay we'll give you the expanded playoff but we need to get this much percentage from it so everything tends to come back to to money when it's a collective bargaining agreement we don't really know we're, we're not out of the pandemic yet and the world is still different and we don't totally know what the world is going to look like moving forward. I think that makes it that in itself makes it really challenging to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement. Throw in the fact that the players and the owners hate each other, and hate. it was going to be yes, hate. We hate with a capital H. Um, the fact that they hate each other 
it was already going to be a challenge to get anything done even in normal times. Now it's not normal. They're not going to do this. But if I was in that room, I would have a handshake agreement that said, okay, we're going to negotiate and we're going to work hard to come to a deal that makes sense. But if we can't get there, we will extend the last deal by a year and we'll try it again next year because next year, hopefully, we have more of an idea of what the world is going to look like moving forward. We have more of an idea of what kind of revenue is going to be coming in. All the all the stuff's going to normalize to what it looks like. I just don't think they're in a spot right now where they know enough information to have everything that they want to have to be able to properly negotiate. Let me play devil's advocate for a second because I do think that would be the smart thing to do. And I think you and I have maybe talked about this off the year before just in talking about baseball, about how they should do something like that. It also would try and build some trust between the two sides also. Um, speaking to that, which is why I want to play devil's advocate here, what's to say that whichever side wants to do that hypothetical scenario wouldn't then use that going forward as setting a precedent? We're like, well, we did it that one time, so why can't we try it again? Or you guys were able to do this once. So why can't we just work out this one little detail here? I, I'm just not sure that we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge how much they truly don't like working with each other and how, how like far away they are from, from many things. Like here's the other thing is I don't even know if the players trust Tony Clark. I don't, I don't, as a fan, I don't, I don't know if the players do. And the owners feel like they can probably just walk over him whether they can or can't. They probably feel like they can. And, And Rob Manfred is, look, this is how commissioners work. The commissioners work for the owners as much as we don't like commissioners. Like that is their job. If they're making money for the league and the owners, they're doing their job, whether or not fans like them or not, like for me included. Um, but like none of the players trust Manfred. None of them trust their own owners. They barely trust the guy that has supposed to have their, their best interest in mind. And that's not a good recipe for getting any solution. Under my scenario, I think it would be really important to overtly state that this is because the world is still in a uh, in a very tentative position mm-hmm. and you can't negotiate money when you don't really have an idea of how much money is going to be coming in so no this is not something that we do again next year and the next year after and the next year after this is very specifically connected to the world being in kind of a fragile place now i guess the argument to that would be well what's to say that the world's not going to be in the exact same place 12 months from now all we can do is hope that it's not. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I also like, I'm not going to poo-poo anyone for looking at it that way. I just, I personally don't think that's reality. I, when I say I don't think it's the reality, I, I view it as the owners can use that argument and, and maybe the players can use that argument too. But I don't know if either side actually truly believes that. Like if, if an, the owners were to say, like, we're just not sure what the money is. Yeah, but you do know what the money is. You know what you're going to be making. You already have claimed once what you're going to be losing. So why wouldn't you already have an idea of what you think? That you're going to be losing whether or not you actually would be losing x amount of dollars and also baseball is a really weird sport where they don't have a salary cap so it's hard to base that stuff of, of where like x team is going to be impacted more this way than this way because x team can spend more than y i, well, I just that's the, the the financials of baseball always make this confusing for me and, and difficult to decide who, which sides are going to be able to blink first or, or be able to acquiesce to one another we're also at a crossroad when it comes to local TV stuff because cord cutting continues, uh, carriage you know disputes continue. There's a lot of people depending on what service you have can't watch your teams. Now we heard this past week or so that Manfred is going to try to put together a streaming package. You know, Sinclair, 
that owns all the Bally Sports uh, RSNs had previously said that they were going to try to build out a streaming package. And Major League Baseball was like, nope, no, you're not. You don't own those rights. You own TV rights. You own cable rights. The streaming stuff still belongs to us. And now Manfred says that they want to build out a package where even without subscribing to a local cable service, you would be able to purchase the right to watch your local team, which we know it. that would make Brewers fans so happy. Is it YouTube TV that doesn't? YouTube carry? TV does not have it. Yeah. Okay. So I I had YouTube TV until they they pulled it and I switched over to Direct TV Stream, which does have it. Yeah. Um, like it's honestly aside, they're very comparable, and I I prefer YouTube TV, but Direct TV's got the RSNs, so like I had to make the switch. And you would think that enough complaints would get through where they would be like, well, we're going to make money if we do this, but I I I will never understand how big corporations like that work, why they make the decisions to not just come to an agreement on that similarly to baseball well sidebar not related to baseball but something that i kind of follow along with you know all this cord cutting and people going to whether it was youtube tv direct tv stream whatever there's a you know there's a million yeah sling whatever um those prices on those services were really low for a while uh-huh. and they've all had price increases uh-huh it was it was always a house of cards. That's what people don't understand. Like, there's a reason that cable cost what cable cost, and people don't want to hear this. And I'm not a, I'm not carrying water for big cable here. There's oh, this, a reason. It's a fact. Like literally, this is something that I'm going through right now. If you think of all the streaming services that you have, plus all the other single ones that you have, and you add it all up for everything, that's just going to keep going up and up and up as different prices for having deals with these companies that we're talking about right now. Yeah. It's all going to even out at some point. Yeah, so like, I have Spectrum. I've always had Spectrum. I probably always will have Spectrum. Um, and I, if all of a sudden a YouTube TV or one of the other services comes in with this like just ridiculously low rate, I know it's not there to last because I know how much these cable channels cost. I know how much ESPN charges all their services for each single mm-hmm. you know subscriber. I, this this cord cutting thing doesn't make all that much sense and it's going to continue because cable until you can get like everything just a la carte where you can literally choose by the channel what channel you want stuff's always going to be expensive actually let me i think we can tie this into like this is part of my issue with baseball why i think there's going to be more issues again with the cba not just track record wise we've seen the issues but like Here's another reason why players maybe would not trust the owners. If they know, they can see the deals that are being done TV-wise in these other sports. You can see the NBA's $10 billion deal. You know what the NFL does. If Major League Baseball wants to come and figure out a way to figure out their TV, not just whether it's regional or national, they can be like, you can make the money back. The players could easily do that and say, you can make the money here. If you're up for new deals, we know how you can make the money, which means that we as players can make the money. And I I don't know. I don't know if they're thinking about it like that. I also don't know if they're being uh, counseled to think like that either. Here's the one difference, though, uh, and I look. I'm uh, baseball is really weird because baseball has the strongest package from a local regional standpoint. Yep. Local, and this isn't true for every single market across the country. But Major League Baseball is going to outdo the NBA and going to outdo the NHL Always. in in local markets on TV. Always. But when it comes to the national stuff, the NBA outdoes. Major League Baseball, the Thursday night package on Turner, the the ESPN package of games. Baseball's uh, national package doesn't become valuable until the postseason. 
Even mm-hmm. Sunday night baseball isn't what it used to be, and it's the it is the marquee game of the week. So it's it's really weird because baseball is the strongest local product, but the weakest national product. So your your money we and we've seen this with the deals that look at the deal that's been done with ESPN. They are getting rid of a lot of their midweek games and. It's just because people don't watch them. They don't watch national baseball games in the middle of the week in September, or maybe not in August or June or July. Right. And, I, and that's why I think like in, a, in an ideal world, they'd be able to say, here's the deal. This is the new money that's coming into the league. Here's the new money that you can figure out a deal. And this is what X amount of dollars amount is going to players. But I think you and I want to simplify it because in our minds, and I think a lot of fans' minds, this should be a simple fix to be like, hey, everyone wants to be doing the same thing here. Why can't one side give or why can't both sides give a little in? But if you do that, then you lose out. Yeah. Well, it's like going into this year, uh, each side wants the DH, but there was no DH because the players felt like they had to get a whole lot more for it. Uh, I think each side would have been fine with the expanded playoff, but the players wanted to make sure to get – a certain amount of the extra revenue that would go along with the expanded playoff and owners weren't willing to give it to them. So it's literally somebody saying, okay, you have the opportunity to just not make any extra money Mm -hmm. or you have the opportunity to be handed a $10 bill, but then you got to go hand five of those dollars off to somebody else. And because you're so upset about handing off those five dollars, you don't even want you, the ten dollars. You just go with the original yeah. thing of not getting the ten dollars at all. That's literally what it's they so did. It's so stupid. Yeah, and honestly, that's a great way to describe it. It's so dumb when you think about it. I would love to have ten dollars right now. I'd love to have five dollars. You kidding me? Give me yeah. the five dollars. It's stupid, and that's uh, and that is a great example of how tough it's going to be in these negotiations because they can't even accept extra money if it's not enough. Oh, man. They're going to ruin baseball for everybody. I know. We're, we're scaring people right now. We're scaring me. My my livelihood is connected to baseball. I just lost 100 games last year in the COVID year, and I'm still I'm still fighting back from that as I, as I pay off credit cards. Uh, and now we're going to have no baseball next season. Uh, yeah, way to go, Rob. Uh, write Rob a, a mean letter and say, listen here, Robbie. I don't know what to tell you, but everyone is sick of your garbage. Please be better. And then say, sign Ashton Rotman. Just sign it at my name. Okay. that's uh, I'll, I'll get right on that. Uh, Brewers fired their hitting coach this week, Andy Haynes. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean anything to you? No, I don't know. I, mean, like, I think you and I have talked about this before, and I know you've talked about it on, on both the Brewers Extra Innings after games and on this podcast as well, and you and I just talking in general about baseball. Like, Who's to say how much this is going to change anything versus how much it helps versus hurts? I think there's there's philosophical differences for hitting coaches and teams as well as how they want organizations to be run and how they want to approach uh, things. But like for me, hitting coach more than anything is about fixing mechanics or noticing mechanics that you change in season. And like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I, then you have the off season for that. So I don't know if I don't know what firing someone after two seasons does. Um, like, again, I know their offense last year was terrible. And this year was to me, um, kind of fluky, I guess streaky is probably the better word. It was very streaky, but like, I, what are they going to hire another hitting coach and bring someone up and what it, it, the same thing happens. They're going to fire the hitting coach again. And again, I just don't know how much it actually matters. Yeah. Um, 
I think people overstate the importance of hitting coaches. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, I don't know I, how much it matters. Uh, and I like that's the guy that I think you can go to like most major league. I I, I look at Twitter sometimes from other major league uh, cities, and people always want the hitting coach fired. And I, I, first off, we've got a culture issue where we always just want people fired. Like, we <laughs> stop that. Let's let's get to a point where our first reaction isn't always, well, they don't deserve to have a job anymore. They deserve to be fired. Like nobody's. Nobody's walking into I don't I don't know I'm not going to do a real world example here because real world examples to sports are stupid but um, like it just we don't always need to be looking to fire somebody I do think that more than anything else I knew somebody was gone when Stearns had his end of season press conference and he got of course the question is the entire coaching staff going to be back and he said well we're still having those discussions right. as as long I as far as I can remember every time the entire staff has been back. It's been announced at that press conference right that the entire staff is going to be back. Yep. And when there's going to be changes, we get the, well, we're still evaluating answer. So at that moment, I knew something's changing here. That, that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is they had a really disappointing finish to the season. Really it, disappointing. Yeah. It's okay to like shake things up after you have mm-hmm. a finish like that. And one of the ways you shake things up is by making changes on the coaching staff. So, so you fire the hitting coach. Like, and, and Andy Haynes is out of a job, and he's a good hitting coach. The offense did not perform to the level that would have liked. And there's a, there's a number of individuals who really took a step forward uh, with Haynes as their hitting coach, and I don't feel like we, we point that out as much as we should. But you're gonna, you, have a, you have a disappointing finish like that, you're going to make some changes, and you fire the hitting coach, and that's how it works out. Yeah, and I guess my question now moving forward is like, okay, so you fire the hitting coach, now you have to make a new decision. What what are the what are the differences the Brewers as an organization are looking for? What do they want more? Obviously, you want your offense to be better. Great. What specifically are you looking for? What improvements do you need to see? We're like, okay, that was the right decision, or this is the right hitting coach, and we're taking the right approaches at the plate. Like that's that's what I was wondering. They're not going to tell the public that. Like that's not how it works. That's just it's all stuff for us to be like. Well, we think that it would make sense for them to be more aggressive in counts early in the games, or you know, small ball. We just have to stop thinking about it completely. I, I just I don't know what their approach is. Well, I think here's the rub. They got two choices because they have an organizational hitting philosophy. Mm-hmm. And Andy Haynes was teaching the organizational hitting philosophy. So whether you're promoting from inside of the team or you have already identified somebody who has the same thoughts that the organization has, then there's no reason to believe that that next hitting coach is really going to do much different than Andy Haynes did. Right. Or you bring in a more like well-established veteran guy who's got his own beliefs that maybe are a little bit different than the organization. But at that point, do you as an organization change? Because like the hitting philosophy starts through the minor league. Like they're being taught the same kind of stuff as they come up through. So then if you bring in a guy who maybe doesn't fit in completely with what the organization believes in, then mm-hmm. do you change the entire hitting philosophy for the organization? Whether or not they should do that, that's probably another topic for, for another time. I don't think they go with the latter. They're, they're, they clearly believe in what they're doing. Um, but So that means they're going to have to find somebody who kind of 
already fits the mold of what they're trying to do. And if that's the case, there's not really re- much reason to believe that they're going to do much different than Andy Haynes did. And that's not even per se a bad thing because I don't think Andy Haynes did a bad job. I know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who don't want to hear that. And I realize that it's the offense that's the reason that their season came to an end. But again, that, that's not all on the hitting coach. That's a, it's it, Part of it is just the cycle of baseball, and they happen to slump at the exact worst possible time. There's just some some unluck involved in that. But I, I don't I don't know how how you go about identifying a hitting coach if you are looking for changes because it's bigger than just the major league team. There's a there's an organizational side of this as well. Well here's the other thing that like I think about from the major league perspective is okay you you've now you've gotten rid of your hitting coach you have to make a new decision. You have the organizational philosophy you're talking about whether you decide which way you're going with that. How does your roster now in the major league squad change? Like, are you making roster decisions because you want to make sure you're still sticking with this philosophy of X, X player goes with how we're, we want uh, players to approach at bats? Or is it, well, we're going a different way anyway, so we just want to get someone who has a good track record. So, like, I, I don't know how this changes, how David Stearns will handle the offseason. I do, th- and it's kind of funny because Haynes was so connected to Christian Yelich, so times mm-hmm. go back to the, to the minor leagues job one, two, and three for the next hitting coach is to do whatever he can in his power to get Christian Yelich going. That's, that is the number one goal of this off season for this organization. Like also the other thing is, and this is why I I don't like these discussions, not from his perspective of like, you know, should they be fired? Shouldn't they be fired? What are they doing? It's like, to me at some point, you just have to go out there and hit the ball. Like you, you have to figure it out. So now it's whose job it is to, to make sure that Christian Yelich has a has better I keep, I keep saying the word approach because that's how, what it's called in baseball they approach does his approach need to change does he need to change his actual style of swing is he has he fully recovered i'm not even convinced that he's fully recovered from his back injury like i, I think there's a million he factors, hasn't hit right? since the knee that's true there's a million different factors that could go into it where maybe one off season he's just like oh i'm better now and it's like, great that new hitting coach really did it. it's like well who knows right yeah i don't know um you feel bad for Andy Haynes because he lost his job and he's a human being and you don't want to see people lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a little new blood comes in and that's that's not the worst thing in the world to have some different voices. That's the other thing. You get you get a new set of eyes on these guys. For sure. You get new voices. Like that's good. We talk about it in the NFL all the time, how there's like a shelf life on an NFL head coach that eventually gets to a point where they've just been there too long. You need some new voices in the organization. I don't know if it works that way so much in baseball with a manager, although we don't see managers stick around as long as we used to see. That's for sure. But it's okay from a leadership perspective to get some new voices in there. Yeah, and I'm sure the one name that I'm I'm curious about is I'm wondering what uh, Sarah Goodrum, who runs their uh, minor league um, hitting, I'm wondering what her role in is is because she's new. This is her first season running yeah. a specific portion of it. I'm wondering if she's just, hey, this is what you're doing. If you can work your way up, great. Or it's, you know what, let's just give it a shot. I'm, I'm curious about what her uh, her future is with the organization. Yeah. and Because it goes back to philosophy. That's where I, where I right. go back to that. Why bring it up? Are you talking about her being a candidate for the big league hitting coach position? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, she's really young in her career. That would be my first answer. Right. That She's incredibly young. And not that I have to say this, but I will say this. It has nothing to do with her being a woman. If if it was a man that we were talking about and they were so early on in their right. That's what I mentioned. Like This is her yeah. first year, but yeah. I'm wondering because she's been within the organization for a couple of years and in different roles and she's had obviously the experience if they're like, well, okay, let's let's maybe have a conversation about it. that's That's because I'm thinking of internal candidates. That's the first one that came to my mind. 
Yeah, and I'm mean, like I'm not familiar enough anymore with uh, all the coaching staffs throughout the minor league system to look. You know, I can't off the top of my head. I can't name you the AAA hitting coach. They should hire me. Hire I mean, you. honestly, I'll cost so much less if they want to fire me. They can. It'll be fine. I think they should just hire me. Yeah. I'm putting this is this is my official application. David Stearns, Craig Council. I have both your numbers, but get mine and call me. But another thing to your point, and, and this just reiterates, but now it kind of puts a name on it. They have to have a hitting coach that believes in the current major league philosophy mm-hmm. because they have an entire organization, whether it's the hitting coordinator, like you just mentioned, all the respective hitting coaches from all. like They've got so many coaches and instructors in the organization that are already believers of and coaching the current philosophy. You have to bring somebody in at the big league level that's going to follow the philosophy that they've already been going with. God, I love hitting coach talk, man. I can't I, wait. I can't wait till we're one week, one week into the season next year with a new hitting coach and you get your first call in BEI. You got to fire oh, this new person. Oh, I get fired. Like, I, I remember my first year. I was brand new I, and I was still learning things. And that was Derek Johnson's first year as pitching coach. Yep. And I was getting fire Derek Johnson stuff all the time all the time until the pitching got good and then he left and chris hook took over and it was fire nothing chris but hook. fire, fire chris, hook. chris hook fire chris hook why didn't they keep Derek johnson right <laughs> like they did they're cheap they didn't spend the money to keep Derek johnson now nobody's talked about firing chris hook in a really really long time and, and rightfully so so yeah it's gonna happen that's i i'm going to offend somebody here i don't care i i think it's I think it's really lazy just to say, ah, oh, you know what? Fire the hitting coach. Fire the pitching coach. Like, I just think I think it's a lazy take. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, who are you offending with that? There's several oh, fans that say no, that like every day. The 70% of the people listening yeah, to the podcast who wanted Andy Haynes fired, that's who I'm offending. Listen, if you're listening to the podcast right now, I want everyone to listen. If you're listening to the podcast right now and you want wanted Andy Haynes fired, I want you to tweet me at Ashton underscore Rotman and tell me why. Tell me what you want changed philosophically technically i want you to tell me what you want changed that's all that's all i ask yeah so i get it all the time like i'll uh, and i sound like a jerk when i do it so i don't do it that often um <laughs> you should do it more somebody will say ah you know what andy haynes needs to be fired and i'll say why what, what do you see what do you see the hitters doing that you think they should be instructed differently not to do and it always comes down to one of two answers one answer is, uh, yeah, well, you know what? They're just not scoring runs. They're just not hitting. They, they, you know, so, like, no, no substance to the answer. Or they go to the, well, they need to bump more. They need to hit and run more. They need to, that has nothing to do with the hitting coach. It right. has nothing. That's not hitting instruction. That's philosophy. That's managerial stuff. Uh, like, at least the people who want Craig Council fired, which is still wacky, at least they, like, when they say they want Craig Council fired because they don't bunt enough, well, at least that's, you know, at least that is Craig Council's decision, essentially, whether or not to bunt. Like, if, if you want the hitting coach fired because the team's not playing small ball, you don't understand the role of a hitting coach. Yeah. I mean, you see, my, my last thing on this is, look, if, if you want to make a change, any organization, not you, the fans, if, if organizations want to make a change, that's fine. I understand it, and I understand fans wanting to call for the heads of, of our coaching staff because that's what fans do, and that's fine. But then you have to figure out why are you doing this? What's the philosophy that's going to change? What is the, as a fan, what are you going to be expecting to see differently? That's what I keep going back to. I think that's super important to realize, like, 
it could be the same exact thing all over again because this is just how the organization works and this is how they want to approach their offense. It's, it's just it's it could look the exact same next year. Like there, we shouldn't rule that out. I do think if the next conversation to be had, and I don't know when this conversation should be had, but the next conversation to be had is do the Brewers need to tweak the hitting philosophy? Mm-hmm, and sure. uh, you know there are there have been times. Um, it feels like, and again, I don't watch the other teams as much as I watch the Brewers. It feels like, whether it's shifting, whatever it might be, teams have done a really good job of being able to scout the Brewers to limit their hits. I mean, I, they, they hit the ball so hard so often for absolutely nothing. And I don't know if it's just like that across all of Major League Baseball, if every single you know, team-related podcast can be having this exact same conversation. But my goodness, does it feel like that Brewers' opponents have scouted them to a point where they do a really good job of taking hits away? Well, I remember specifically during the uh, the Brave series, I was texting back and forth with a friend about this while watching the games and just being like, it just they, the Brewers offensively do not look like they have an idea of what direction they wanted to do against the Braves pitching staff. And it looked like, like you just mentioned, the complete opposite. The Braves like, oh, we're doing this. We already know this is going to work. We're not worried about this at all. Like, it just looks completely different from the approach, the at-bats that we saw from the Brewers take, uh, even game one when they won. I still, they won because Riley Tillis had a home run in the seventh inning. They did nothing in the game otherwise. That's that's why they won the game. Uh, and with the rest of the series, even when they had the lead in game four, like, I never felt comfortable with that because I could, and to me, a team like the Braves, I always felt like, hey, they have offense. They have firepower. They can just pop like that. The Brewers did not have that this season. And I, I don't know, again, you should be able to look at Christian Yelich and say, that's the guy. That's the guy right there where I know that. You haven't been able to do it for two years. If he's your only missing piece for this offense, like if, if that's the whole thing is Christian Yelich becoming back to Christian Yelich unlocks your offense, I, then I honestly don't have an answer. I don't know what to tell you. Then that's, that's really just hoping for things to go back to how they were. But if, if he does go back to being Christian Yelich, it does unlock the offense because it changes everything. Sure, but then we're, now we're just doing a bunch of ifs. Like that's that's my issue with it is yes, if then yes for sure. Right. The problem is we're now two seasons into the two, one and a half, whatever, to where it's either a he's just not the same hitter anymore, or b his injuries have actually hurt him more than people want to realize. And I'm really hoping it's that one, and he just gets healthy. Buster only tweeted uh, ten hours ago about the Braves. Said the Braves have the best record in baseball since July 30th, the day they completed their flurry of trade deadline moves. They're 44 and 22 in that time. I think we also need, maybe need to recognize, and I wasn't, I thought the Braves were, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. Like, I was wrong here. That, that's fine. I'm wrong a lot. Um, the Braves, I thought, were the worst of the four playoff teams going into the two divisional series. They're, they've now got the best record since they became the roster that they are at mm-hmm. the trade deadline. Uh, maybe I, maybe me and everybody else were not giving the Braves credit. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I was just thinking about this the other day. The Brewers have lost to the team that has represented the National League in the World Series now four years in a row. The Dodgers yep. in the NLCS a few years ago, then the Nationals, then the Dodgers last year, and the Braves this year. Uh, so I guess in, in some way we do need to give a lot of credit to Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I, I, look, I can tell you, I can say this confidently. I thought the Brewers were going to lose this series. I really? did. Yes. Okay. I didn't think it was going to look as bad as it did. I just didn't trust their offense enough uh, to be able to overcome, again, 
it wasn't even just about it wasn't about the Braves pitching. It was more or less could they, if you look at it from a football perspective, can can X team last in a shootout with another team? That was how I looked at it with the Brewers. Can they score enough runs to keep up with what the Braves at least potentially could do in each game? And ended up being the opposite in the fact where the Braves pitching staff just looked so good those first three games that it didn't matter anyways what they were doing on offense. All they had to do was score a couple of runs and have one big inning. It was done. Ashton, uh, did, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, it didn't play out exactly how I thought it was going to play out, but it played out how I thought it was going to play out. Yeah, I mean, look, we can, we can post-mortem the heck out of the, the end of the season, and we've been continuing to do that. But, um, yeah, they lost to a good Braves team. The Braves are in the World Series now, and the Brewers – Trudge forward into this offseason. We'll see what that looks like. And unfortunately, the cloud of the collective bargaining agreement continues to just hang over everything that is Major League Baseball. Ashton, this was fun. Thank you. We'll do it again here in the next month and a half, two months, and we'll see what what baseball looks like at that point. I, like, At what point in the offseason do we go, oh, you know what? When it comes to the collective bargaining agreement, is it is it two weeks out from pitchers and catchers reporting and there's no deal? Is that is that when we really freak out? It was March of 2020, man. That was when I figured this out. <laughs> it was last year when they, it was last year in the pandemic when they were still arguing about stuff. I was like, we're never going to have baseball yeah. again. <laughs> and there's still that grievance from last year that has yet to even be heard. So that's not even all. Maybe they, maybe that's part of the, maybe that's an upper hand for the players that they'll drop the grievance related to the 60 game season in exchange for something. Because I think the, I think the owners could potentially lose that one. So maybe that's something that uh, that they could do. I don't know. We'll talk more. Let's hope we have baseball. That's all. Let's hope we have baseball. Uh, Thanks, Ashton. This was fun. Thanks, buddy. Ashton Rotman joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that's just about going to do it for uh, this week's podcast. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Thanks to Ashton for uh, joining us as well. No Brewers Weekly this upcoming week as the Packers play a Thursday night game, so we are preempted. We've got, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we did a show. The Bucks had a Thursday night game, and now the Packers have a Thursday night game. Bucks play on a lot of Thursdays, so it's kind of hit or miss uh, finding Brewers uh, Weekly. And then for me personally, hosting it. Uh, I am the play-by-play broadcaster for the University of Wisconsin Green Bay women's basketball team, and when they get into Horizon League play, most of their weekends they play uh, Thursday-Saturday, so when they are playing those Thursday-Saturday weekends, I'm not around to host Brewers Weekly, so somebody uh, fills in. I think generally more often than not, it's Greg Matzik who fills in for me, uh, but somebody is in there on those uh, on those spots. A little hit or miss on finding uh, Brewers uh, Weekly right now, but don't you worry. We will continue to come your way with Brewers Extra. It's the podcast on an every week basis and uh, talk about everything going on. And We're not that far out from free agency. We're going to the World Series. The World Series will end, and then uh, free agency will open up after that. And that is going to be just really interesting to see what teams do in free agency before a new collective bargaining agreement uh, is agreed upon by by each side. I just there is no reason to believe there's going to be you know any big time movement in free agency, especially at the beginning. It's gonna it's generally a pretty slow start to free agency. I would suspect it's going to be an even slower start to free agency this year. All right, thanks again to uh, my friend Ashton for joining us. Thanks to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. 
For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.